We now come to Prime Minister's questions. Sean Hodson. Question number one. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Sean Hodge. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree with his friend, the Tees Valley Mayor, that the National Audit Office must investigate the Tees Works um, affair? And will he share details of all conversations he has had on the subject with his former yeah. Chief Secretary, the member for Middlesbrough South, <laughs> and the current levelling up minister, given that they've all received donations wow. from Ian Waller, wow. one of the project backers? Mr Speaker, Honourable Friend, the levelling up secretary has already announced uh, an, an investigation into this matter. But what I would say, it's just the same old, same old. It's the same old bump from Labour. All we get, all we get, after years of neglect, it's the Conservatives that are delivering for Teesside. Mr Speaker, everyone here has NHS trusts in our constituencies grappling with backlogs. So can I highlight the commitment and hard work of the Gloucestershire Hospitals Trust in bringing down the waiting list over 18 months ahead of the government deadline and fast reducing the over 65 wait waiting list. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that those who imagine that the opposition has a magic wand up their sleeve to solve these problems need look no further than the woes of the Betsy Cadwallader board in North Wales under Labour political control for a generation? Well, Mr Speaker, as my honourable friend says, Gloucestershire in particular has seen a significant reduction in A&E waiting times since December. Uh, we recognise, of course, though, there is more to be done, and that's why we're delivering on our plan to recover urgent and emergency care to ensure that people get the care they need easier, faster and closer to home. Of the opposition, Keir Starmer. How many work visas were issued to foreign nationals last year? Prime Minister. Uh, well, <laughs> Mr. Speaker, new statistics, as the honourable gentleman knows, uh, will be out later this week. Uh, the, most re the, 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 most recent, the most recent statistics we have, the most recent statistics we had, as the ONS said at the time, contained a set of unique circumstances, including welcoming many people here for humanitarian reasons. The figures are out. It's a quarter of a million work visas were issued last year. He knows that answer. He just doesn't want to give it. And the new numbers tomorrow are expected to be even higher. The Prime Minister stood on three Tory manifestos, each one promised to reduce immigration, each promise broken. They all stood on those manifestos as well. Why does he think his Home Secretary... Order. Order. I'm going to hear this question. Those who don't want to hear it, we know the answer. Here's Starmer. They all, they all stood on those manifestos. So why does he think his Home Secretary seems to have such a problem coping with points-based systems? <laughs> well, Mr Speaker... And the same respect will be shown, Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, just this week we announced the biggest ever single measure to tackle legal migration, removing the right for international students to bring dependents, toughening the rules on post-study work and reviewing maintenance requirements. 
But what is the honourable gentleman's contribution? There are absolutely no ideas. There is no, 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 absolutely no ideas, absolutely no semblance that there would be any control. Why? Because he believes in an open door migration policy. Speaker, if anyone wants to see what uncontrolled immigration looks like, all they've got to do is wake up tomorrow morning, listen to the headlines, and see what this government. Order, order. Ms. Bristol, I think you're going to be leaving. I'm asking you to leave now because otherwise I'll name you. I'm not having it, and I've warned you before. It's the same people. And the same will happen on this side. Give Starmer. Mr Speaker, the reason they are issuing so many visas is labour and skills shortages, and the reasons there are shortages is the low-wage Tory economy. Under his Government's rules, businesses in IT, engineering, healthcare, architecture, welding can pay foreign workers 20 per cent less than British workers for years and years on end. Does he think his policy is encouraging businesses to train people here or higher from abroad. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, he talks about immigration, but we know his position, because it turns out that Labour would actually like to see even more people coming to the UK, increasing the numbers. That's not just my view, Mr Speaker. Those were the words of his own front bencher, who said having a target isn't sensible and that the numbers might have to go up, Mr Speaker. So it's clear, whilst we're getting on with clamping down on legal migration, listening to the British public, he's perfectly comfortable wanting to say that he wants free movement back. Mr Speaker, they've lost control of the economy, they've lost control of public services, and now they've lost control of immigration. And if he was serious about weaning his government off the immigration lever, he would get serious about wages in Britain and get serious about skills and training. The apprenticeship levy isn't working. It's hard to find a single business that thinks that it is. And the proof is that almost half the levy isn't even being spent. That's fewer young people getting the opportunities they need to fulfil their potential. Businesses are crying out for more flexibility in the levy so they can train up their staff. Labour would give them that. Why won't he? Yeah. Oh, Mr. Uh, Mr Speaker, it's, it's, it's right that we're talking about education and skills. What he failed to mention is just in the past week, what, we did, what did we discover? Thanks to the reforms of the Conservative government, our young people are now the best readers in the Western world, Mr Speaker. Reforms that were opposed by the party opposite. He also, he also talked about our record on the economy. And I am very surprised, Mr Speaker, because I've stood here week after week when he's been so keen to quote the IMF, Mr Speaker. And he, 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 seemed, he seemed to have missed their press conference yesterday, where, where they actually said they actually raised our growth forecast by one of the highest they've ever done, said that we've acted decisively to make sure that the economy is growing, and credited this government with having a very positive effect on future growth. Is the Prime Minister seriously suggesting that breaking the economy, breaking public services, losing control of immigration is some sort of care, fair, carefully crafted plan? His policies are holding working people back, and all he offers is more of the same. But fear not, because speeding into the void left by the Prime Minister comes the Home Secretary. 
Not with a plan for skills, growth or wages, no. Her big idea is for British workers to become fruit pickers. Just in case, I can hardly believe she said this, that they forget how to do things. Does the Prime Minister support this let them pick fruit ambition for Britain? Or does he wish he had the strength to give her a career change of her own? Mr Speaker, he talks, he, talks, he talks about public service, he talks about the economy. Again, I think he's just failed to know what, notice what's going on. The IMF, as they've said, the IMF, as they said, it's right here, Mr Speaker. Our forecasts, which he was very keen to point out just a few months ago, now their forecasts are that we will have stronger growth than Germany, France and Italy, Mr Speaker. What do they say? They're saying that we are prioritising what's right for the British people, Mr Speaker. He talked about public services. I said best reading results in the Western world. When it comes to the NHS, what did we just discover last week? Ambulance waiting times at the fastest response in two years, Mr Speaker. That's a Conservative government delivering for the British people. Mr Speaker, the Home Secretary may need a speed awareness course. He needs a reality check. This mess on immigration reveals a Tory party with no ambition for working people and no ambition for Britain. Just the same old failed ideas, low wages and high tax. Labour would fix the apprenticeship levy, fill the skills gap and stop businesses from recruiting from abroad if they don't pay properly. That's because we're the party of working people. What does it say about him and his party that they won't do the same? Mr Speaker, I think he said it six times, but I don't think we actually know how he's going to do any of these things, Mr Speaker. And look, that's the difference between us, Mr Speaker, because every week we, we, hear, we hear a lot of empty rhetoric from the Honourable Gentleman opposite, but in the past week we can measure ourselves by actions. What have we done on this side of the House? We've introduced new powers to curb disruptive protests. We're protecting public services against undisruptive strike action, Mr Speaker, and we have new laws to stop the boats. What has he done? He's voted against every single one of those. And that's the difference between us. While he's working on the politics, we're working for the British people. Thank you, Mr Speaker. We have all witnessed how Putin is carrying out his savage war against Ukraine. He commenced it, he is the aggressor, and he cannot be allowed to win. That war is now at a pivotal point, so will the Prime Minister use his friendship with President Zelensky to ensure whatever military equipment they need, they will get, be that missiles, drones or jets? Mr Speaker, it was an honour to welcome my friend President Zelensky to the UK last week. I think everyone will be collectively proud of the UK's leading role at the forefront of supporting Ukraine. We were the first country to provide uh, support for Ukrainian troops, first country to provide lethal weapons in Europe, the first to commit main battle tanks, and most recently the first to provide long-range weapons. He will have seen the powerful scenes coming out of the G7 summit in Hiroshima last week, and I have always been clear that we will stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. Leader of the SNP, Stephen Flynn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, we learned today that the price of milk, cheese and eggs are up 29%. The price of pasta is up 27%. The price of a loaf of bread, 18%. Does the Prime Minister agree that this is no longer just a cost of living crisis? This is a cost of greed. 
crisis. Well, Mr Speaker, it was welcome that inflation has fallen today, but as the Chancellor said, we should not be complacent because there is more work to do. The Honourable Gentleman is right to highlight the impact of food inflation, which is too high, common here in levels that we have seen in other European countries like Sweden and Germany. We are providing significant support to help people with the cost of living, and the Chancellor has met with companies in the supermarket and food supply chain to make sure that they are doing everything they can to bring prices down. Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, let's get real because the food inflation remains at a near 45-year high. Now, yesterday the Treasury indicated that the Chancellor stands ready to act, but his actions seem to be predicated on the outcome of a review by the Consumer and Market Authority. So can the Prime Minister perhaps enlighten us? When does he expect that review to conclude? Because working families can't afford to wait much longer. Well, Mr. Speaker, honourable gentlemen, will know that the CMA is independent uh, of government, but the Chancellor did meet with them recently to discuss the situation in the grocery industry, and it will be for the CMA to make decisions on that. But uh, we're doing everything we can to help consumers manage the challenges of the cost of living, Mr. Speaker. But if, if the SNP wanted to do their bit, maybe that they could reconsider their deposit return scheme, which has been—it's very clear what people have said. It will. It will. So, as people have said, it will, reduce, it will reduce choice and increase prices for consumers. The Primary Care Access Plan published this month is a very welcome and substantive one, and my constituents want to see rapid delivery of it. So how quickly will the Government start providing the £645 million to pharmacists and how quickly will the SAS doctors come to GP surgeries to make prompt access to primary care a reality for my constituents? Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, I thank my honourable friend for his contributions to our primary care plan. Uh, he and I both know that pharmacies already work to help many people with their health needs and to help deliver on our priority to cut NHS waiting lists. They will be put front and centre of our primary care recovery with £645 million of additional funding. That will be released later this year as pharmacies start to provide more oral contraception, more blood pressure checks and, crucially, for seven common ailments like ear infections or throat infections, pharmacists will now be able to provide you with the medicines that you need. Mr Speaker, one quarter of the population of Northern Ireland are on a health uh, waiting list. Our uh, workers are on strike uh, for fair pay and our public finances are in a mess. Uh, will he give a commitment that the Treasury will immediately begin work uh, on a public uh, sector rescue package so we can transform the health service and ensure that our public sector workers are given uh, a decent wage? And will he join with the people of Northern Ireland, Mr Speaker, in telling the DUP to get back to work now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr Speaker, as I have been clear, I firmly believe that Northern Ireland is governed best when governed locally, and I agree wholeheartedly with him that the major challenges he raises can only be properly addressed by the restoration of the institutions. But I also understand the immediate and pressing concerns he raises, and that's why we've prioritised health in the Northern Ireland budget for this year with £20 million of more funding. And I know my honourable friend will be an important contributor to the conversations that the Secretary of State is having to embark on public service reform and restore the executive. Uh, well, 
Thank you, Mr Speaker. Two weeks ago, I raised the issue of AI with the Prime Minister. Only since then, we've seen announcements from firms such as BT that tens of thousands of jobs are likely to be lost to this new technology. But many will be created too. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that we need to map the jobs and the regions that will be most affected by artificial intelligence so that we can target the skills to prepare Britons for the jobs of the future best? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think my uh, honourable friend makes an excellent point, and like him, I believe that AI does have the potential to transform our economy and society, but of course it has to be introduced safely and securely. Uh, we are investing more in AI skills, not only in top-tier talent, in, but also enabling those from non-STEM backgrounds to access the opportunities of AI. I look forward to getting more recommendations from him for how we can strengthen our investment in skills to make sure everyone can realise the benefits that this may bring. Anna Macmore. Thank you. While the Prime Minister upgrades his local energy grid to heat his 40-foot swimming pool, hands oil and gas companies the likes of BP and Shell $11.4 billion in tax breaks, he scraps the energy price guarantee scheme, plunging record numbers of people into poverty. Is it just a coincidence that these same energy giants funded the Prime Minister's leadership campaign, or is he simply out of touch? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, what, what we are doing is taxing the windfall profits of energy companies and, and using that money to help pay around half of a typical household's energy bill. That support is worth £1,500. It was extended in the budget by my right honourable friend, the Chancellor, and we all look forward to energy bills coming down, which hopefully will be happening very soon. Kevin Foster. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. He will recall the commitment he gave to the Building a Brighter Future Plan for major investment at Torbay Hospital back in January. Does this commitment remain unchanged? Well, I congratulate my honourable friend on his continued campaign to improve Torbay Hospital. I'm delighted to reconfirm the Government's commitment to major new facilities there as part of our new hospitals programme, and I look forward to further work progressing in the months ahead. Laura Olney. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Under the Conservatives, so much of the UK's potential is going untapped. Anemic growth, falling living standards and declining international competitiveness. Just this morning, a solar power company developing an innovation from Oxford University said that the UK is the least attractive market in which to base its business due to a lack of incentives. This is a homegrown company that could have provided well-paid green jobs lost to this country thanks to the government's lack of an industrial strategy. So why does the Prime Minister think it is that each week more and more promising businesses are choosing to leave the UK? Mr Speaker, the uh, the Honourable Lady obviously missed the comments from the IMF yesterday, uh, upgrading our growth performance. She obviously, she obviously missed the survey of thousands of global CEOs just recently placing the UK as their number one European investment destination. And, and it sounds like she also missed my trip to Japan last week, where we announced £18 billion of new investment into the UK economy. Anthony Brown. 
Thank you, Mr Speaker. Liberal Democrat-run South Cambridgeshire District Council is the first in the country to put its staff on a four-day week without any reduction in pay. It's led to a reduction in services and an increase in costs. And yet last week, the Liberal Democrats decided to increase the trial to a year. Why? Because the staff were happier. And now unions are pushing to spread the four-day working week across the public sector, something that the Taxpayers' Alliance estimates will cost £30 billion. Does my right honourable friend agree with the Prime Minister, agree with me, that the public sector are here to serve the public and that the Liberal Democrats aren't working? Uh, Mr Speaker, public servants should rightly focus on delivering for the public and taxpayers, and it is disappointing to hear from my honourable friend that his local Liberal Democrat council is not doing this, reducing, as I heard, staff contact hours and costing residents more. I urge the council to reconsider their decision because his residents and constituents in South Cambridgeshire District Council clearly deserve better. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In Lewisham, we are gearing up to mark the 75th anniversary of HMT Empire Windrush arriving in the UK. And our Deputy Mayor, Brenda Dakers, is coordinating our local events and is herself a daughter of Windrush Generation parents. Now, sadly, at the same time, she is organising advice surgeries for families who have been denied their rights and are still waiting for support from the Windrush Compensation Scheme four years after it opened. So, with this landmark anniversary coming next month, will the Prime Minister commit to ensure everyone finally gets the compensation they deserve? Well, um, Mr. Uh, Mr Speaker, I pay tribute to uh, the Honourable Lady's constituent for all the work they're doing locally. Uh, the Home Office and the Government is delivering on the vast majority of the recommendations from Wendy Williams' report into this situation, and we've already paid out or offered, I believe, over £70 million in compensation, and there are hundreds of engagement events happening to ensure that people are aware of uh, what they're able to access, and will continue to do that engagement as we promised. Brendan Clark Smith. Bassett Law has benefited from the multi-billion pound step fusion project, 20 million in levelling up money for Worksop Town Centre, and will now be part of one of the 20 areas selected as part of a new 400 million pounds levelling up partnership. But my constituents in Retford feel neglected by the Labour District Council, which has yet to apply for any funds for the town and is more concerned with trying to play the two towns off against each other. Could the Prime Minister confirm that there is no reason whatsoever why Retford cannot benefit from this latest investment and would he accept an invitation to visit Bassett Law to see the great impact government investment is already having in the area? Well, I, uh, I thank my honourable friend for his kind invitation to visit, and I shall certainly ask my office to keep it in mind. Um, but as he said, as he said, levelling up, as he said, levelling up partnerships are a commitment to work hand in hand 
with 20 different places across England most in need of levelling up and to make sure that they can realise their potential and ambitions. As he says, they're backed by £400 million of investment. We'll make sure that they can be supported to thrive. And I know my right honourable friend, the levelling up secretary, is looking forward to working with colleagues in Bassett Law to identify the best place to focus their work, which could, of course, include Retford. Stella Christ. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In 2016, the Prime Minister told people to vote for Brexit because it would stop unelected officials in Brussels having more of a say than his constituents. In 2023, he's asking his MPs to block Amendment 42 to the EU Law Bill to give unelected officials in Downing Street more say over laws than this chamber. Given the worries and the warnings from his colleagues, why is he going to let the blob have more say over things like holiday entitlements than the people who were elected to do so. Mr Speaker, that's just simply not the case. It's the the elective government that will be making decisions about what the right regulations are for our country. Uh, And it's absolutely right that as a result of Brexit we can now do that, which is why we are repealing and reforming over 2,000 pieces of retained EU law, making sure that our statute book reflects the type of rules and regulations that are right for the British economy and will deliver growth and cut costs for consumers, and that's what our reforms do. Robert Moore. Thank you, Mr Speaker. A key issue which has haunted Keighley for many decades is child sexual exploitation and grooming gangs. I want to see a full Rotherham-style review into child sexual exploitation across my area, but yet Bradford Council's leader and our West Yorkshire Mayor both refused to back one due to political correctness getting in the way, simply sweeping this issue under the carpet. So will the Prime Minister, for the sake of victims, work with me to ensure that our local leaders do the morally right thing and instigate a full Rotherham-style inquiry across the Bradford district. Well, Mr Speaker, can I thank my honourable friend for campaigning on this? Uh, As I said before, we shouldn't let political correctness stand in the way of keeping vulnerable girls safe or indeed holding people to account. As he knows, it's for authorities in the local area to commission local inquiries, and I have no doubt that he will continue to encourage um, them to do so. For the government's part, we've commissioned the relevant inspectorate to examine current policing practice in response to group-based sexual exploitation of children, and the Home Office will not hesitate to act on its recommendations when they are published this summer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, Before I was elected, I worked for a number of years in learning and development in both the police and the private sector. And I'm sure we can all agree that training is absolutely vital to encourage innovation, creativity, but also for compliance. Given that seems to be a particular issue for the Prime Minister's Cabinet at present, will he agree to support my ministerial training standards bill that I will be presenting later today? Mr Mr. Speaker, it's... Mr Speaker, as the Honourable Lady knows, there are processes and procedures in place for ensuring professional standards across government. Uh, with regard to training, what I am pleased we are doing is rolling out the lifelong learning entitlement, Mr Speaker, to ensure that people at any stage in their career can get access to years of government subsidised financing to ensure that we have a workforce that is fit to the future and everyone can realise the opportunities that are there. Steve Bryan. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Owen Carey died just across the river from here, underneath the London Eye, after suffering a severe allergic reaction while out celebrating his 18th birthday. He would simply eaten a chicken burger at a restaurant which, unbeknown to him and despite his asking, had been marinated in buttermilk. 
Owen's sister Emma, who is my constituent, was in Parliament last week with her dad and her brother for a debate on food labelling and support for people with allergies. They're fighting for Owen's Law, which is campaigning, among other things, to change the food information regulations surrounding allergy labelling in restaurants. It's attracted huge support. So will the Prime Minister meet with me and Owen's family to see how we can be sure something positive comes out of this tragic loss of a young life? Mr Speaker, I thank my honourable friend for raising Owen's case, and I know the whole House will want to join me in expressing our condolences to Emma and all of his family over what happened. Uh, I will absolutely ensure that my honourable friend gets a meeting with the relevant minister to discuss food labelling appropriately so that we can make sure that things like this don't happen. Ian Paisley. Thank you very much, uh, Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister instruct his officials to publish the list of 1,700 veterinary medicines? that will no longer be made available to Northern Ireland vets and the agri-food sector uh, after the grace period has ended. And will explain to the Ulster Farmers Union how that, why that list has not been given to them, and would he agree to meet with me in the Ulster Farmers Union, go through that list and show us how this has removed the border in the RIC? Well, Mr. Mr Speaker, as, as uh, the Honourable Gentleman knows, uh, when, we, when we concluded the Windsor Framework, uh, what we did was make sure that there was an extension in the grace period for veterinary medicines to give us the time to find a long-run solution to that, uh, to that particular issue. But the Honourable Gentleman should take heart, because on the issue of human medicines, which I know is important to him and everyone else in Northern Ireland, what we did achieve was complete and full dual regulation of medicines and a dialogue with the EU to, 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 um, to resolve the issues in veterinary medicines. And I know that he will want to make sure that we engage closely with him and the UFU, which we have been doing, to find a resolution in the time we have. But I know he will also join me in being very happy that we protected access to human medicines in Northern Ireland, which was a priority for him and his party. John Hunt. Um, firstly, I really look forward to welcoming the Prime Minister to Portman Road for Ipswich Town, Southampton uh, next season. And of course, in addition to Ipswich Town, Ipswich Wanderers have, always been, have also been promoted great news for a town. Yesterday, though, we saw, despite the Public Order Act being Past, we saw images of Metropolitan Police standing around and doing nothing whilst eco-protesters were wrecking havoc in our capital. Does the Prime Minister agree with us? The moment these activists stand on the road, they should be immediately turfed off the road, like there are in many other countries. Well, Mr Speaker, on uh, on honourable friends, uh, first observation, all I can say is ouch, but thank you, uh, but I look forward to the game. Um, but on a second, more substantive matter, uh, this Government has passed a serious disruption order uh, which will ensure that police do have the powers that they need to tackle slow-moving protests. It was a power that the police specifically asked the Government for. We've delivered it and put it in legislation. He knows what I know is that the party opposite tried to block that from happening. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Prime Minister, we have four million children living in poverty in this country, yet we are the fifth richest economy in the world. So can the Prime Minister say why he would not support universal free school meals for all children to end child poverty? Mr Mr. Speaker, the the, the numbers are actually as follows. Since 2010, there are 1.7 million 
fewer people living in poverty as a result of the actions of this government, and that includes hundreds of thousands fewer children living in poverty. And most importantly, because like the Honourable Lady, I do want to ensure that children don't grow up in poverty, but we know that the best way to do that is to ensure that they don't grow up in a workless household. And that's why, that's why we have reduced the number of children growing up in a workless household by several thousand, and that is the most powerful thing we can do in the long run to give those children the best possible start in life. Mr Speaker, Nancy Spencer from Darlington has raised over £35,000 for St Teresa's Hospice in the last 25 years. Nancy's next adventure was to do a skydive, but having had a pacemaker fitted, her doctor refused to sign it off. However, undeterred, my 80-year-old constituent managed to secure a sign-off for a wing walk. Will my right honourable friend join me in wishing Nancy well as she takes to the skies this Saturday? Uh, well, can I, uh, can I join my honourable friend in thanking Nancy for all her fantastic fundraising work and, of course, wish her the best of luck for Saturday. I do wonder if my uh, honourable friend will be joining her. Um, but, uh, and, and in particular, many of my, many of my own constituents use uh, St Therese Hospice uh, over the years, so I know what fabulous work it does. But more generally, the hospice sector supports more than 300,000 people with life-limiting conditions in the UK every year, and I pay tribute to all the staff and volunteers working in palliative and end-of-life care for the incredible work they do. Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister agree that it's completely inappropriate for schools to encourage young people under the age of 18 to socially transition, for example by changing their names and their pronouns? All this is going on without parental consent or even knowledge in breach of parents' uh, human rights. Will the Prime Minister instruct the Department of Education to order schools to stop indoctrinating our children and to concentrate on their duty of care to protect them? Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I've, I've been very clear that when it comes to matters of sexual education and PHSC, it is absolutely right that schools are sensitive in how they teach those matters and that they should be done in an age-appropriate fashion. The Department for Education is currently reviewing the statutory guidance and curriculum that goes to schools so we can tackle this particular issue, because there have been uh, cases raised with the government and others where this has not been, where has not been the case. I do not think that is acceptable. We must protect our children, and that is what our new guidance will do. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Last year, the independent members of the Betsy Cadwallader Health Board in North Wales became so concerned about the Board's finances that they arranged for Ernst & Young to produce a forensic accountancy report which revealed serious misconduct on the part of several senior Board executives, including a conspiracy to falsify accounts. Astonishingly, the response of the Labour Welsh Health Secretary to this scandal was to demand the resignation of those independent board members, while almost all the senior executives in question have been allowed to remain in post, many of them drawing six-figure salaries. Does the Prime Minister agree that this disgraceful state of affairs should be investigated by the police, and does he further agree that it demonstrates why Labour are unfit to run important public services in any part of our country? 
Oh, Mr Speaker, as my right honourable friend knows, I am deeply worried about the Betsy Cudwalder Hospital in Labour Run, North Wales. It has been, as he said, in special measures for six of the last eight years, and as he remarked, the official audit said there was worrying dysfunctionality. Uh, I do hope this issue is investigated properly, and I believe my honourable friend is in contact with the Secretary of State for Wales to take this further. Oh, no. Mr Speaker, working people are barred from receiving legal aid if they earn £12,750 a year. So why is the Prime Minister forcing the British public to foot the bill, which I think is currently £250,000 plus, for the Right Honourable Member for Uxbridge and South Rushlips, alleged lying inquiry? Why can't he stand up for the British people? Is it because he's too weak? Uh, Mr. Mr Speaker, it's, it, it's actually a long-established process across multiple administrations that former ministers are supported with legal representation after they have left office to deal with matters that relate to their time in office. Uh, that has been the practice for many years, as I said, across multiple political administrations, both Labour and Conservative. Bill question, Dean Russell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, I, uh, thank you. Um, I, I welcome the Government's ongoing engagement to ensure that mental health is treated as equally as physical health. And of course, in my own constituency of Watford, I, at Watford General Hospital, we recently received about £350,000 for improvements to mental health facilities, which will help massively. But given the importance of this issue, would the Prime Minister join me in encouraging fellow colleagues from across the House to attend an event I'll be hosting for the Baton of Hope on the Terrace Pavilion at PMQ, after PMQs today to raise awareness around mental health and suicide prevention? Thank you. Well, Mr Speaker, my honourable friend is a fantastic campaigner on mental health, and I'm pleased to learn about all the work he is doing with the Baton of Hope. Uh, I'm pleased that we're also putting more government money into mental health services and taking more action on this issue than any previous government, investing an extra £2.3 billion a year, and I would encourage all colleagues to join him in attending the reception on the Terrace Pavilion. That completes Prime Minister's questions.